0: This is episode 13 with Luis Geraldo. Welcome to the Apitalize on Your Idea podcast. Helping you take any idea and making it a reality.
1: Here's the man who did it and now teaches it, Justin Escar.
0: What's up, Apitalizers? Justin here talking about how to capitalize on Your Idea I'm back from my two-week vacation. Uh, took some time off. Went down to Central America for a bit. Took some time off for the holidays. It was nice to relax and refresh and get back into the, get back into my normal, very calm mindset. You know, people talk about this all the time. Like, what's the best time management tool? And honestly, it's taking a break. Because if you if you just go at it all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're just going to burn yourself out. So. Take a vacation every now and then. That's, that's what they're there for. So I'm super excited about today's episode. We have Luis Geraldo from uh, Monkeybox on. Luis and I know each other from some Apple consulting events like the Mac Tech and the PSU Mac Admins. Um, and, and the reason I brought him on today is he also has done the same thing that I, I talk to you guys about all the time, which is <clears throat> he comes up with an idea that is something that he needed at work. And you'll hear during the conversation that Monkeybox came from... His need for a password management tool at work, and something that he can share with his clients that's secure and all these things, and this is what stemmed this idea. And now, MonkeyBox makes a lot of money. He doesn't charge a lot for it. You know, his pricing is very fair. Um, I don't have a MonkeyBox account yet, but after discussing things with Louise, I'm definitely signing up for my clients. But it's one of those things where you look around, you say, oh, you know, I wish. I wish something, I wish this existed. I wish this tool was here for me to use because more than likely you're not the only person who's going to need that tool. So Luis went out, created Monkeybox, and now is just killing it with it, which is great. So here's a conversation that I had with the CEO of Monkeybox, Luis Geraldo. What's up, everybody? I'm here today with Luis Giraldo, founder and CEO of Monkeybox up in Canada and a personal friend of mine. Luis, what's going on, buddy? Justin, good to hear you. Good to be on the show and uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for everyone listening at home, Luis and I know each other from being Apple consultants, um, which is both of our day jobs. And, and we've... Luis and I have been to a couple of conferences together and such and uh, Luis just came out with a, a great new product for consultants so if you're an Apple consultant listening pay attention to the product but for everyone else um, Luis used the the concept of Appleize to get this product made and this new product is called monkey box so Luis wanted to you just kind of like tell people like what monkey box is and we'll, we'll take it from there Sure thing. Yeah, Monkeybox was really
1: born out of one of those sort of scratch your own itch type of scenarios. Um, As a consultant, um, when I was on my own, you know, I had my own way of keeping track of things and documenting information and whatnot. And I was, let's just say, satisfied with how that was working when I was on my own. Um, However, when I brought on a business partner, uh, it became really evident very quickly that we just uh, needed a, a better mousetrap, a better system to keep track of all our data, mostly our customer information. There was this underlying sentiment I had about our customer's information that I always felt like they should have, they the customer should have access to their own information. Anything that we're keeping about them is really their data. So I always felt I wanted to find out a way, figure out a way that I can make that available to them, and I hated the idea of like a, a physical printed IT binder, as they call it, simply because you know the second you print it, it's out out of date, pretty much. Um, so I played around with a filemaker uh, proof of concept, and I started building what was to be a, a database for keeping track of my customer information, structured data that was specific to every customer the reality of how I was tracking data currently was it was just a big old mess of files and folders in my finder um, and it was not organized in any kind of way and it was certainly not easy to share. So I started to think about what information is really structured for every customer in the same way and tried to put that into a container in something specific and something that could be repeated across every client and that's sort of how MonkeyBox really started to take shape um, Once I realized FileMaker was not necessarily the platform I wanted to pursue, I thought, you know, it'd be great to just do this in a web app, um, better possibilities integrating with other systems and other things in the future. And uh, so that's when I I started to look around for how I might get this system built.
0: So this is, this, which is a great thing, um, because I talk about this a lot, is something that came from your need, something you needed in your workspace, and you saw an opening there, and that's how you came up with the idea for MonkeyBox.
1: Absolutely. That was certainly a pain point for me as a consultant. Um, And it was uh, just, yeah, uh, a problem I needed to resolve.
0: So are you are you you're not a coder. You're not doing any programming yourself, right? You know, I guess you pick up a little bit of that along
1: the way, but certainly not. Um, I wouldn't ever consider putting the title of, of developer uh, anywhere near my name. And, uh, you know, I understand a lot of the technical aspects of, of the software development and uh, even of some of the code. And uh, nowadays, I'm able to get into the actual app code and, and make minor cosmetic changes and things like that, but it's certainly not a developer. So I really had to rely on, on a team of people to help me build it.
0: So this team of people, like you outsourced them, obviously, or did you or did you bring on people to work in house under your name? It wasn't uh I just couldn't bring
1: on some, some people internally. It was the cost would have been too high to absorb right off the bat. And so um I had a little bit of money set aside for for what I wanted to do for this project and uh I reached out I had um, I knew about this development team from uh, Device Scout. Device Scout is an app that was built by uh, by these developers, 55 minutes, in in companionship with uh, Ben Griner of Forget Computers. And Device Scout, um, I checked it out. It was a great it's great app that connects into uh, Casper Suite to present very very distilled information about the computers that are being kept track of there. And I just loved how that app looked, how it felt, how it performed. And I just—I literally reached out to those guys as my first call. And I said, listen, I hate the idea of trying to vet a bunch of developers um, as to whether they're the right fit for my product and uh, the right fit for the team. And instead, I'd like to present you guys with this uh, project opportunity. And if you're interested in working with me on it, Based on what you've done with Ben, and Ben spoke very highly of them, of course. Um, I'd love to work with you on this. And so, you know, I went down to San Francisco, met with them. We had a great day long sort of dive into what the idea was and how we might develop the app. And and we just went with it. And I just felt really comfortable uh, with how they approached the problem solving aspect of the app. And uh, they really saw the vision of it too, which was key. They understood the problem. They're developers, they have the same problems consultants do in that. They have lots of clients with the same type of uh, uh, tracking deficiencies. They don't have a place to put passwords. They don't have a place to put assets. and all that stuff really needs to be structurally organized. Um, and that was that. you know pretty much from that point onwards, I, I'd say I wouldn't even consider. Um, anybody else at this point to work on the app. These guys are fantastic. They're tremendous and they just bring a whole other level of, of knowledge and ability to this development process, which I was new to. So it made it really easy for me as well.
0: So, I mean, while you didn't want to go through the vetting process, you kind of did because, I mean, you knew Ben and I, I know Ben also from the Apple Consultants Network and all these other Apple things and we're a very strangely tight-knit group. But... Um, you knew Ben and so and Ben had his app developed by the same people so really because you've already vetted Ben and you knew him from these meetings and such that you knew he, he knew what he was talking about and his app and you liked the way his app looked and Ben vetted the programmers then you've like followed that path and it, it saved you that time but you still did in a way you still kind of did the same thing Sure. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say that,
1: that I had to ask Ben to vouch for them or anything like that, but I would say that, that his support for them and his approval of their work and everything else was very much implicit in the way that he spoke about the experience and, and the, the whole experience of working with them um, and developing the app. And so right. that was, and I, I hold Ben in very high regard. And so that was enough of a, of a sway for me to, to not even consider, you know, Looking around and just, I just wasn't looking forward to the whole idea of interviewing five different groups of developers and uh, I don't know. I just didn't feel I didn't feel like I, I wanted to go through that process necessarily. Although very much needed in some cases, in this particular situation, I felt like those guys were just a really great fit from the get go. So I, right. I think I was pretty lucky that way.
0: And you had some experience in this, and you so you knew what kind of costs you were going to be coming into. It's not like you would put away like a thousand dollars. And then you know you were hoping to build this gorgeous system i mean you're you've been around with this for a while. You understand like these kind of things cost a couple thousand, if not ten to fifteen thousand and you knew that going into this, so you were able to put that away.
1: You know, it's interesting that... Not that, real- I want, not
0: that I want to find out exactly what you paid for it, obviously, but I'm just like, I'm just getting to that point.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's a snowball of, of things, you know, the, the app continues to grow. And obviously, it's a continuous development process. And, you know, people don't think of how much money you're spending on it when you have... Uh, internal IT or internal developers like if I had hired a bunch of guys nobody would really ask me how much money the app had cost but it's sort of that differentiation people make between uh, outsourcing because there's like a fixed invoice price versus in-house developers which is more of like an ongoing capital expenditure type of thing operating cost and so I think um, I don't really see it that way. Obviously, I got an invoice for the work that was done and continue to get invoices, but uh, I really see it as just part of the, the operating cost of the app. I don't really see it as a, a fixed price. Mm, well, it's but- almost
0: like a hybrid. Like It's an outsourced in-house team.
1: Yeah, and that's very much how they how they make me feel with how they work with me and and how available they are to me and everything else. So in that sense, I, I feel that that relationship was was really strong from the get-go and it was very easy to work with them. Uh, We're very respectful towards each other and they just do top-notch work. So There's nothing that I have that I can complain about um, and likewise they've helped me learn a lot about the development process um, agile development and all the other things that I was very new to. They just helped me understand that along the way and that I thought was really cool of them to help me learn about that process as we were getting into the development.
0: So we talk a lot about um, outsourcing developers in general and I usually tell people like if you are doing something small go overseas for you in Canada and them in San Francisco do you consider San Francisco overseas or is, how does that work up there <laughs> well you know I, I most people
1: have told me of all the places where you can go find development um, or people that can do development you chose probably the most expensive place and you know San Francisco is very competitive probably, in that space yeah. um, and I, I think I think price just stopped being an issue for me at the point when I realized that these guys were just above and beyond any other experience that I might have had. You know, I didn't want to deal with the, the hours or the change in time zone with the, the, you know, group of developers in India or somewhere else. Um, even the East Coast sometimes is challenging for me to deal with. <laughs> so
0: right, because you're, you're on what, you're on Pacific time. Yeah, Pacific time. Yeah. You're in Ontario? In Vancouver, Vancouver, BC. Vancouver, Vancouver. Yeah.
1: So it was um, it was just one of those things where also the the fact that they were in San Francisco and plugged into the development scene and working with some other cool projects I felt that that also brought another level of experience and knowledge to the project and exposure to the project and things like that. So all things considered, I felt that it was it wasn't just about the hours they're going to spend building the app. It was about the whole of who are these guys. Do people know who they are? What are they doing for the industry? They are big contributors to a lot of Rails uh, projects and things that are on GitHub, and so I felt very strongly these, these guys were just a really good fit.
0: Now, did you hire these guys to also do your website?
1: So the public website, the marketing website as they call it in the industry, uh, was built by a local uh, design shop here in Vancouver who are a sister company of a marketing agency who is helping us with our marketing uh, marketing as well. Okay. Uh, so the, the actual app functionality was built by 55 minutes, but then our design firm here helped us build the marketing site and they used that same styling and applied it to the web app as well just to have maintained a little bit of, of similarity between the two. And that company
0: did all your, did that company also do like all your graphics and everything?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, in the app, there's a lot of things that are unique to the app. But uh, as far as the marketing site, yeah, they did all the graphics. They did all the design for the the pages, um, even the screenshots and stuff like that. They helped uh, gather all that information.
0: Right. Because your logo, if anyone goes over to monkeybox.com and all the links and everything will be in the show notes. Your logo is really interesting because some people wouldn't see it right out of the gate. But the box, the O is a, like a combination Uh, Almost like a safe.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So we actually, um, I've long worked with a a creative team here. In addition to the the web guy, there was a, a really a big team of people that worked on on the whole Monkey Box project, but. There was a, a branding company called We the Collective here in Vancouver, who I've known for many years, and I play I play music, and I played at, at his at the at the primary partner's wedding uh, five years ago, that kind of thing. Right, because
0: secretly you're also you're like a jazz pianist, right?
1: Jazz musician, yeah. yeah. And so him and his team designed. Um, the logo itself and designed a lot of the, the color palettes and schemes and all that stuff. And then Drive Digital did the website and did the integration of of that initial branding design into the actual website. They designed the flow of all the data on the website. And then they took all that um, design and CSS and all that stuff and they also bolted it onto the web app itself uh, to keep it all standard between the two.
0: So before we touch on hiring a marketing team, because I want to get into that, I do, I'm on your website right now, and I see you have the contact us, and you're using Olark. And we've talked about this before uh, to the Appleized group um, back when we did with Watchmen, and I have it on mine, that Olark is a great way to stay in contact with people that are hitting your website. It's a, a little plug-in um for wordpress or you could hard code it in but it's a great way that if someone's on your website that you can chat with them and you can get live time um response and be able to help people like make decisions i I know for me with email phoenix you know i was able to sell two three copies in the last couple days just because i was able to answer people's questions like right then and there and giving them that like um that personal touch really helps so kudos for having having that on your website
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. I think Olark was one of those things that um, I'm a consumer as well. And one of the experiences that I have when I'm out there looking for products uh, to solve other needs and things that I have is, you know, I I do sometimes want the immediate touch because I have a question that I want answered then and there. And it's nice to have that, that quick turnaround. Um, it certainly helps people feel at ease with the fact that there is somebody behind the product and supporting them and available and not just, you know, this the shady uh, look of, like a company website, but really nothing going on behind the scenes. And so I, I've, I felt that that was important to, to be available to our customers. And we like using Olark quite a bit. Yeah. I think as things progress, uh, a lot of people are very self-served though. However, people come to a website and, and we can see what kind of path they take on the site. They go to this page here and that page there. Um, and then all of a sudden they sign up for a trial and then that's that and we didn't get any interaction through the website necessarily. But with the people that have had a question and we've able to been answered to answer it right away, they've, as a result, signed up for a trial because we were able to give them information on the spot.
0: Right, and what's really cool with Olark is um is it integrates for like the back end of it? It integrates into your um, IM client. So, like, I use ADM on my Mac and it shows up there as just a, it's just a, what they call Jabber. It's a type of IM client. And not only does it tell me what site someone's looking at, like what page on my site someone's looking at, but if they came from somewhere else, um, like, uh, just for argument's sake, Sign My Pad was written about by uh, Intuit on their blog if someone clicks that link and comes to my site it tells me that they're also so it's a good way to uh track conversions and and see what's happening so I, i'm a big fan of olark all right so let's let's go back to you get off of olark uh let's talk about this marketing company you hired because this is interesting um a lot of capitalizers, the hardest part for them is marketing and a lot of it is you know I'm gonna blast it on social media and I'm gonna blast it on Facebook and stuff like that and you you actually went out and you hired a company to help you with this
1: yeah and they were um, mostly responsible for uh, the coordinated efforts that it really takes to, to do a proper marketing launch and I think um, Sometimes an app is just so amazing that uh, it just it, ter- it gets goes on fire and people everybody finds out about it within a few days. In our case, that wasn't necessarily the case because we are competing with a lot of products, like password managers is one of the things that Monkeybox does. Um, and that that space is is very very busy at the moment so we knew it'd be a little bit difficult to just try and jump in and, and you know expect that app to automatically get noticed by everybody um, so last October I had um, spotted the web summit conference in Dublin happening and I thought hey you know this is very startup focused and I'm definitely trying to approach the whole monkey box um Environment as a startup, not just an app that I'm developing as an independent consultant or anything like that. But I'm really treating it as a startup, and we're going after a lot of the startup type channels and trying to get in that space and medium, talking to that type of folks from a financing perspective to marketing to everything else. Um, and that has uh, really, like those guys at Success Marketing, which is who helped us with that, really, really get how to launch a product and. They around the Web Summit conference. They helped us really uh, put everything uh, together, so to coordinate the Instagram picture posting that automatically went to Facebook, that automatically went to Twitter, and everybody anywhere everywhere else. Uh, And I think it's important to leverage also, you know, your immediate network, your family, your friends, to get everybody involved, to get that word out there. Uh, and make as big a splash initially as you can to help spread the word out there. Um, That's what helps it get the most notice initially. And then obviously it's the continuous effort after the fact to make sure people don't taper off and uh, the interest is maintained and that you are actually doing something interesting with your app and not just trying to compete in a very busy space.
0: Yeah, because that's a really tough spot. Like when you have so much competition... You're know, you in the password space, I'm in the PDF signature space, but I want to talk about, um, not that I want to talk about me, but I want to talk about BlackBook for a second because what BlackBook was, and I I showed it to you, which was, it's an address book program, a server-based address book program, but at the time it was in such a space where you had things like Karyo and you had Exchange and all these other things had come out and iCloud had come out to do that stuff, and... Unfortunately for me, I didn't position it correctly, and and we got burned on it. And sometimes you need to bring in experts to help position yourself to differentiate you from everybody else. What makes you better? And and these guys really helped us identify a whole other,
1: uh, you know, world of potential customers for monkey box in that, you know, monkey box is not uh, highly technical. Uh, it doesn't require that you are super, you know, a computer type person or a very technical person to understand how it works. And so what they helped us really see is that, Hey, you know, this would r- work really great for a marketing agency or for a graphic design shop, or even for a company just trying to ha- get a handle of some of this data on their own. Um, and so helping, Tune that message for all those potential verticals or or different industries was really key, and that's something that a marketing company can really help with. Because the reality is, you know, I know how to speak about certain things, but I don't know marketing how to market to a graphic design shop or any other number of industries that could potentially use MonkeyBox. So, well,
0: so what did they what did they suggest? Because I know you were you were probably targeting IT companies. Um, What were they suggesting you do differently or something that you hadn't thought of for, let's say, marketing to a graphic design firm?
1: Well, you know, the the thing that was most obvious was the fact that I was really resolving, um, for me, a very specific pain point uh, that was the documentation of my customer data, uh, but how they spun that to be able to make it appealing to other people in other industries was is what was really industry, interesting in the sense that some of the messaging and some of the descriptions of some of the features really took it all uh, another shape and another form when once they got onto the a marketing website. Um, they're not what I had originally envisioned, simply because I was very technical and very jargony in my explanations of what the features were doing, and I was very much focused towards trying to uh, appeal to a IT crowd specifically. Uh, and they helped me understand that you know this app is great for everybody, and that doesn't necessarily have to be an IT focused person or IT focused company. So that was one of the biggest things.
0: So they took like they took your tech jargon because I'm I'm sitting on your site and. It says, um, view all client passwords, view all client passwords your organization message manages with access or granular access control. I mean, that's, that's kind of technical, but I mean, I can imagine, you know, I, I know you, so I can imagine how much more technical that was prior to them kind of maybe cutting that down.
1: Yeah, and you're reading just the the quick sound bites that are um, the little attention grabbers for right. some of the features, but but once you get into the actual feature descriptions on the marketing site, you'll see that it's actually very conversational in nature, and they they don't really get into technical uh, terms too much. They really try to speak to the problem or or the challenge that people have in managing the information much more than it is to talk about, you know, some of the technical features of the web app or, or, hey, we're, you know, we have a rails app doing this and Nginx uh, web backend, and we don't need to talk about that stuff necessarily. Right. And that's, you know, it's easy to get into that trap when you're a technical person.
0: Yeah. And like, there's so many people that are like, they really want to know what makes things tick, but at the same time, most people just want it to work. I agree.
1: I agree. And for me, uh, obviously, I I do have a, a marketing sensibility. I do know when something sounds catchy or doesn't sound catchy. And they really help fine tune a lot of that. And especially when we were working with people um that weren't technical at all in nature and they were doing some of the copywriting or helping tweak some of the copywriting uh it was really evident how sometimes some of my explanations were were very deep even when i didn't think they were uh so yeah that's one of those things that is very interesting
0: so for those that are listening like i know we've discussed outsourcing programmers before and i and if you and if you read the blog i've, I've talked about or if you read the book also, it t- I talk about the different things you can outsource. And and programming is one of the biggest ones you can do because that seems to be a, a field where a lot of people get stuck up. But there are other people out there, like Luis is using a marketing uh, company. For me, I just hired a new graphic designer. We're redesigning some iPad. So I brought on a graphic designer to redo the whole thing from scratch. I mean, you can literally hire accounting people, finance people, virtual assistants, Engineers, you know, on top of these other things, so it's it's a really interesting way to get your product finished and accomplished by using these outsourcing techniques. Um, so, what's what's on the uh, on the track for MonkeyBox? I don't know, one point five or 2.0?
1: Um, you know, one of the biggest things we're working on
0: right now is um,
1: a revamped, uh, or not a revamped, but a further. A further developed security model. Um, you know, we we put a lot of thought into the security model of the app, how the data is protected, how people have access to the data, how you share with other folks. Um, and one of the things that was we wanted to do from the beginning that we couldn't do simply because of cost. Uh, one of the things about launching an app is, and that the fifty-five minutes folks really helped me understand very well is you need to. Uh, figure out a point at which you're comfortable launching and that's known as the MVP or minimum viable Mm -hmm. product. Um, And so with their focus on agile development and the MVP uh, target, we were we had to cut some features out initially to be able to stay within budget. First of all, and secondly, to not have this initial development cycle go on forever and ever and ever and get to the point where you just oh well, let's just add this feature before we launch, because that can just go on eternally.
0: I've talked about this plenty of times. It's called we call it feature creature.
1: Yeah, feature creep. Um, so we we decided that this was the specific uh, set of features and and scope for the project, and we were just going to go with that, and we weren't going to include anything else. And One of the things we cut out initially was a specific type of encryption um, for the subscriber data. So uh, we've been very open about this with people who ask us, uh, and we have the information published on the website. But what we're going to extend is we're going to make it so that every subscriber has unique encryption keys, meaning anything that they put in their subscription data is completely not visible, to even us as the app owners or the database administrators, and that's that extra little bit of security that I wanted to be able to offer to really put people at, at peace with the idea that okay, I'm putting my data somewhere. Is it actually really safe? Um, and so that chunk of development is is expensive because it requires. Um, solving a lot of problems in terms of how the data is accessed, how it's encrypted and unencrypted on the fly through the browser and all that stuff. So from a technical standpoint, there's a lot of problem solving going on. But also from a marketing standpoint, it's probably the biggest feature we'll ever release is that ability for people to have their data fully protected and really not visible to any other party.
0: Right. And that's a big thing in this day and age where you know every day you read an article on Recode or whatever where... There was a data breach, or people's data said it was being secured, and it's not. At least you're, you know, you're being honest with it. I, I didn't think you would actually. I, I knew that. I didn't think you would uh, say that publicly, but I mean, you have it on your website, according to you. So, like, um, it's good to know, you know, where faults are and, and what to fix. But yes, the MVP is a very important thing to talk about. Um, that minimum viable product, getting it out there, getting version what we call 0.01 out the door, um, and that's a huge component of it.
1: Yeah, and I think the main thing for us, again, the premise of why I built this app was transparency with my customers. I didn't want to be the, the consultant that's holding on to this data and I get hit by a bus and nobody has access to it. With the same idea in mind, I figured, well, if if I'm trying to be transparent with my customers, then Monkeybox is really about that, is about the transparency. And so at no point have we tried to obfuscate the fact that we're not doing a certain type of security or encryption or whatever. And that's really how we're approaching communicating with our potential subscribers or or our current subscribers. And I think... um, when, when people ask us, we're the first ones to tell them, listen, we don't have this feature yet, but we're early in our development process and we plan to build it. In fact, it's the next thing on our docket and people get, are getting very excited about some of the features that are coming down the pipeline. and. Um, That's really the ongoing development as needs that people have change, And a lot of these apps um, tend to be subscriber driven in the sense that they are the ones who talk about the features they want. And when enough people want the same thing, that's usually going to take priority in terms of development uh, process, right?
0: Right. Oh, totally. All right. So one last question about Monkeybox. How did you decide on your pricing um, for the customers that are signing up for it?
1: great question um, again going back to being a consumer I, I was especially in a small business and a small team of two which that is my my business partner and I in the consulting world um, it always kind of irked me that a lot of the uh, software that was available uh, with enterprise grade features was only available you know at a, at a high cost or a minimum seat count, and always per user billing. And the pre-user billing is fairly expensive for something like, you know, we originally, I even looked, um, I mentioned I did a proof concept in FileMaker, but I also tried looking at building this inside of Salesforce at one point. And, um, you know, Salesforce was great. We talked to them a lot, but uh, I think there was maybe a miscommunication in in how we... uh, uh, intended to make this available to the public. And what they quoted as is that they said, well, listen, for every person that wants access to the data, you know, they need a license and that's, you know, for an enterprise license, like 125 bucks a user per month. And so you, if you can imagine a small IT business like mine with uh, 15 monthly contract clients, if every one of them had a license to access their data, we'd already be in the thousands of dollars a month just to to have this thing working. So I thought, I hate the idea of user per-user billing, and I wanted to get away from that. I wanted to really foster the idea of collaboration. Let's get the people actually sharing the data and actually being transparent with their clients about it and not charge them per the user. Instead, we decided to charge based on how many clients any one subscriber intends to manage within MonkeyBox.
0: That's pretty awesome. And you have it broken down. Pricing is pretty fair, 25 for a small 99 and then one on it. I like your names Chimp, Orangutan, and, and Gorilla. It's cute.
1: <laughs> oh, we had to keep with the whole to keep, it was that. that
0: was your marketing team, or was that your genius? That, that was my
1: genius. Well, my, ah, yeah. my my previous company name, uh, my IT company was called Monkey Mac at one point. And uh, I got acquired in 2011 and I went to work for another uh, firm. And when I left that firm, I relaunched my consulting business, but with a different name. And I was, was irked that I had to I let go of the Monkey name. And I, I've had this little thing, uh, ongoing theme with monkeys. So I thought, let's bring it back for this app and now monkey box i think of it and, it and it doesn't it's not anything but monkey box now to me so it definitely has taken sort of an identity because
0: um, you don't have a monkey anywhere on this site
1: actually we do uh we kind of hit it but it's if you go to the security page uh we have sort of the the monkey arm creeps up with a with a key
0: oh yeah look at that you know, what you, you know, be this is completely off topic. People that are listening are like, we don't care about this part. But you know, would be really funny if you do. You know the contra code up, up, down, down, left, right, B, A, select, start from like the old contra video game. Sure. There's a couple websites that have that. You should totally put that in your thing. That if someone does it, like a monkey jumps <laughs> out or whatever it is. Well, that's funny. One there's some magazine, Vogue or somebody, it is has a Tyrannosaurus Rex head or Velociraptor head like pop up with like different hats. It's very <laughs> weird, but.
1: Well, you know, I think part of part of what it is is. Um, it, there's a I have a story with the whole monkey theme and so it was easy for me to to talk about it and, and there was a reason why it came to be that name or, and everything else. I what think, is it? Um, well, first of all, my IT company prior prior being called Monkey Mac, um, and when I one of my colleagues here in Vancouver, he. Um, he referred to me as Ook, Ookie, uh, because that's, the in his mind, the sound a monkey makes is Ook, Ook. And so he called me uh, Ookie, and that was his nickname for me. And from that was that the name of my next consulting company uh, came from. Uh, my IT company is called Ook Enterprises. Uh, and I kept it simply because of that reference. But I was still wanting to sort of play with the monkey name somehow, Um and it just it was a thing. It was just a thing, a funny little marketing gimmick that I could play with that actually had a little bit of a backstory to it. So that just came to be that way. In fact, our Instagram, uh, you'll notice that we we use that a lot in the web summit. We actually hi, uh, rented this big uh, monkey prop uh, to have at our booth. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of attention for things like that. And this was mostly thanks to Success Marketing coming up with some great ideas to leverage the monkey name and everything else. So, uh, you know, we had we did have a lot of fun with that. Well,
0: that's good. All right. Well, thanks so much, Luis. Uh, tell people where they can find you online other than monkeybox.com.
1: Well, uh, on Twitter, I'm at, uh, at LuisGiraldo or our monkeybox Twitter handle is monkeybox, at monkeyboxapp. Um my IT company is uh, ook.co.co. And so, um, yeah, just on the interwebs around there, I'm doing a, a little speaking this summer. Uh, I'll be speaking at the uh, PSU Mac Admins Conference in uh, at Penn State um, and then doing a session as well at uh, Maxis Admin in Gothenburg, Sweden, in September in the fall. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You
0: know. I might. And those see- those I are might mostly IT-related. PS- yeah. yeah, I might see you at PSU Mac. I haven't decided if I'm going to go yet. We'll talk it's about a great, that later. Great conference, you should definitely. Know no, I went. I went uh, last year. I had a really good time um, doing that, and it was a great place to like meet a lot of people that I, I talked to online that I just hadn't met in person. Um, but uh, it coincides with South by Southwest Venture to Venture. It's literally like uh, South by Southwest is literally like two days after PSU Mac ends, so it's like can I leave my clients for? three days to go to Penn State come home shower switch my bags out and then fly to Vegas <laughs> yeah fair enough you know it's a I lot. think
1: you know one of the things that's interesting about um, monkey box and just from the business aspect of, of things is I was very very much foreign to the whole startup community uh, as a whole because you know I've had an IT company for a long time and I never felt like I was part of the startup community in terms of software development and it's a really really interesting thing um, ecosystem and it's really really interesting and cool to find out all the people that are doing great things in that ecosystem all the vendors that provide amazing resources and support and and deals and discounts to other startups that are early stage and so i'd say you know that's another component of, of something that i, I I didn't, early on enough, I didn't start to tap into that, but I started to realize there were still opportunities, even though we were already launched and had a product uh, available commercially, that there were still people willing to help us because we're an early stage startup. And that has been a a big influence in in terms of community for me as well. I feel like it's great that others will look out for you other startups will listen to you they'll take your half hour call to let you show them your app and and you know you have to do that for somebody else down the road but i think that's also a big part of the whole app development process
0: yeah that's awesome Luis. thanks so much for being here man my pleasure thanks for the invite yeah and we'll talk to you soon all right cheers great stuff great stuff indeed from my friend Luis. You know, he said something during the during the interview, scratch your own itch, which is exactly what I've been trying to tell you guys all this time. People say, where do I come up with ideas? Where do I come up with ideas? And it's clearly in your workplace. And this can be true for any job. You know, I talk a lot about apps and I talk a lot about software because that's just the world I'm in. But there's nothing stopping you from looking at your job as an accountant, as a lawyer, as a creative director, as someone who builds things, as someone who works in a woodworking You know shop or something like that and saying what's what am i missing what can i create that will make you know my job easier that's scratching your own itch and that's what this is all about because you can come up with that idea you can get it made and you can get it out there and be making a nice salary or income or passive income or however you want to do it and it works i'm not just telling you that it works because it worked for me it works for so many people like Luis and like monkey box so go out there get something done make it great capitalize on your idea make it happen and i will see you guys next time